Uh, yet another bonus release. I did not expect to have to release another of these so soon, but I guess Skype was not functioning for the last day or so, so we were not able to record a new podcast episode. So in light of that, here is the second of the really terrible interviews that we conducted at Anime Festival Orlando 2007. This one is with Colleen Clinkenbeard. And if you thought the first one was scatterbrained, this one is only worse. So please, for the love of God, don't listen to this episode. If you've never listened to Anime World Order before, go to the ones that say show number whatever. Listen to that instead. I know we got a lot of flack from people for releasing the last episode unedited because real podcasters would never stoop so low as to release unedited audio. Unless, of course, they were highly charismatic and had sexy voices We have neither of those things. However, not only is this interview already up on YouTube, we figured this is part two of our epic mega series as to why it is so necessary for us to spend weeks upon weeks editing what we say to make us sound remotely coherent. And from this point on, no one will ever, ever, ever complain to us that we take too long to release episodes ever again because the alternative would be crap such as this. At least on my part. I'm not going to say that Colleen did anything crappy. She did slip up once or twice and say things that weren't supposed to be announced, but it has, again, been two or three weeks and the whole thing's been up on YouTube, so we're not breaking any news stories here by putting up this audio. Anyway, here we go. Judge for yourself whether Colleen was rolling with the punches and playing along with it or just legitimately offended by my line of inquiry. I'm thinking it's the second one, but honestly, I still can't tell. All right. Kind of watch for a bit. Okay, we only currently have one microphone. We're getting another one. But uh, just so everyone knows, here's Colleen Clinkenbeard. Everyone, give her. And and what makes Colleen super duper special is that not only is she a voice actor and a director, but she's also an escaped alumni of the great (laughs) state of Florida. Isn't that right? That is very true. Florida State. Am I in trouble with anybody in here no, for being no, from Florida no. State? This is sweet. <laughs> I thought the specialness came from my rocket dog shoes, which I think are awesome. Yes. <laughs> Alright, so I guess we may as well get this thing started, even though we're still waiting on the other microphone. F- FSU. Y- y- why? <laughs> I-, I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said... FSU, where the women are women and the men are too, can you confirm or deny? <laughs> uh, well, I went to the FSU School of Theater, so that is in fact true. Oh. My <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I, I, I tell you what, it was such a small little subsection, microcosm of FSU, the theater department, that I... I didn't even really experience the university. They say it's big. They say we had a good football team. I'm sure that's all true. But really what was important is I had a block walk from my apartment to all of my classes. And a lot of parties. (laughs) Theater majors partying a lot? Who would have (laughs) guessed? So anyway, uh, since, of course, uh, a lot of potential, you know, next Colleen Clinkenbeards might be here in the audience right now. (laughs) Because, oh uh, 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 yeah, well, the job's taken, folks, just so you know. But um, how did you make uh, your, your incredible journey from, from this state of Florida to Texas? I mean, did you just go like, hmm, who, which, who executes the most people? I only got Florida, I can move up to Texas. 
Is that, is that what happened, or is something to do more with following where the acting was? I'm sensing you don't like my history. I, I love the history. <laughs> um, I uh, I actually lived in Texas my whole life. Pretty much, I was raised there uh, in Dallas, and uh, I went to Florida State practically on a whim. Like my intention was to go to New York University, but uh, FSU is the best theater school that's also a public school, so it's cheaper. So I went there. And then I just came back to Dallas to earn money so I could move to New York. Uh, and I've been there for six years. <laughs> so uh, I think a, a question a lot, that's on a lot of people's minds right now is, what kind of car does a superstar voice actor drive? <laughs> I want to say something cool, but it's a Honda Accord. <laughs> I love my Honda Accord. Uh, it's 2002, and it's nothing cool at all, so you should ask Chris Sabat that question. Oh, does he drive a really nice car? Ask him. All right, well, do you plan on getting a new car at any point? And if so, when you, when, when you get a new car, and, and you're feeling like a star, what are you going to do? Wow, um, are you selling cars? What's this obsession with cars? I just wanted to see if she'd say ghost ride it. Or going to be a Hummer. Uh, I would really like the Batmobile. Oh. <laughs> a lot. Um, ooh, I'm going to stick with that one. I would like the Batmobile, and I would feel very much like a superstar. But no ghost riding the whip? Uh, no. No, I'm, I'm really a simple girl at heart. Batmobile will do it. <laughs> All right, so after uh, you graduated from FSU and you decided to head over to pursue your voice acting <laughs> adventures. How did, that, how did that come about? Obviously, that's uh, the first place that you got to start whenever you have a voice actor panel interview. <laughs> it's, it's obligatory. So how, how, did it, how did it all fall together? Uh, when I moved back to Texas, I was in a play pretty, pretty early on uh, that was called, let's see, it was called Be My Baby. It's like a British play, very dramatic. And I was in it with Laura Bailey. That's how I met her. And you'll know her as Kid Trunks in DBZ. She was Toru Honda in Fruits Basket. She was Lust in Full Metal Alchemist. She's been around. And uh, I met her there, and we became best friends and roommates. And uh, she one time brought me up to the studio to watch her record. And I watched her record for Dragon Ball GT with Chris Bevins, and he asked if I wanted to get in the booth, and I did. So I got in the booth and asked what I was supposed to be doing and waited for the beeps, and my, uh, this was my line um, that one time, that, that fateful day, uh, watch your ears. That got me Rachel in case closed. <laughs> I mean, I might have had That's a good a qualification to get into that show, yeah. was to be able to scream. <laughs> what? I didn't hear that. <laughs> All right. So, um, obviously, obviously, people have questions here. Um, if you have questions, uh, faithful co-host Gerald will be sure to, to field them from you. Flag, flag him down, ask him your questions, and we'll, we'll ask him... Uh, we'll ask them as they come. But yeah, so Dragon Ball GT, that was your first uh, part? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess Dragon Ball GT was my first little part. I had like a couple of lines in that as column. And then my next part was a Claire and Kitty Grade. I actually, from the audition for Rachel for Case Closed, I got um, 
as a Claire instead. And then I got cast as Rachel a little bit later on. So Claire was my first part, and that was leading Kitty Grey. So, yeah, I mean, like you just said, the lead role for your first uh, major part, that's got to be... Most people, when you talk to them, it's like, oh, well, I started off being, you know, person C, and then, you know, eventually, as the years went on, I moved up to person B. So how was it for, like, you're, you're thrown into this? How, did you, how, how was it to adjust? Uh, well, I was just really lucky. I, it was the right time to have done an audition. They were looking for new actors. They were a little bit tired of using the same people over and over again. Just lucky, lucky, lucky. And uh, so I got the role of, of Claire, and Justin Cook was my director, and he's an excellent director and very hard. Like, when, you, when you're directed by Justin Cook, you know if you're not pleasing him. Mm. He's straight-faced, and he'll, be, he'll get a little frustrated with you and be like, no, just, it's got to come from the gut. I'm not hearing it come from it. So it's just not making any sense. You've got to do it again. And so uh, it was a little nerve-wracking, especially the fighting stuff, because I'd never done anything like that before. And it's hard to do fighting reacts without... Uh, without sounding like you're standing still when you're standing still. That's a really hard thing to learn. Uh, so that was probably the biggest obstacle to overcome. But through that I got, uh, I, I became a director because I ended up directing the rest of Kitty Craig when he became a producer. So um, that led me to Full Metal. And we'll get into that in a bit, but I just, um, a lot of people might want to know this. Uh, did you ever have any exposure to Japanese cartoons and stuff before? Um, becoming the actor, or was it just like, oh, what are these things? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was really just like, well, what are these things? I'd never really seen an anime. I'm sure I'd seen snippets of it here and there, but I'd never really watched one. And as soon as I became an actress uh, at Funimation, I gobbled up uh, Fruits Basket and Kodacha, and I like the... I'm, I'm a girl. <laughs> and uh, Isn't Her Circumstance, which I... Isn't Funimation, I just watched, but I, I liked... I liked all that stuff, and then I gradually got my got into action, and now Moon Phase and Full Metal Alchemist I saw the trailer for Moon Phase. It looked like it was going to be a pretty action-packed show. Then I watched the first episode. Totally different. <laughs> you have to keep watching. Okay. <laughs> but, um, okay. Oh, we're still getting questions. Down. All right, well, all in due time. They will be, uh, everything will be answered. But, um... You mentioned that uh, you quickly became a director for Kitty Grade uh, shor shortly afterwards. What exactly does an anime dub director do? Right. I mean, we know what the title is. We see all directed by this, but it's maybe a little different from what Steven Spielberg is up to. Uh, yeah, we get paid a lot less. He has a Batmobile, actually. I basically what I do as a director. Uh, it, well, I'm a director and a line producer, so those two jobs kind of get meshed together frequently. Um, as a line producer, I supervise the scripts when they come in and make sure that they're fitting flaps, staying in character, staying true to what the marketing department wants to do with the show, uh, the angle we're going for, and then assign a director or myself to the show, and then cast the show as the line producer. That's all line producer stuff. Uh, and then the director actually does the recording of the episodes. You have your engineer with you, hopefully the same engineer for the whole series. <laughs> uh, you have your cast coming in one by one. Uh, most of you know that. We do the three beep process uh, at Funimation. There's three beeps to tell you when your cue is coming up as an actor. You have beep, 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 go. And that's to tell you what, one, what line is coming up. 
And the director's job is to make sure that every line comes out sounding natural, there aren't any stumbles, it's going to fit the flaps, it stays in character, it makes sense with the next lines that are going to be surrounding it so it tells a fluent story. Uh, and all that is a lot more difficult than the acting part. <laughs> Directing is hard. See, watch, watch me direct. Shut up! <laughs> and then they don't listen to see <laughs> Actors. Um, so, since you've worked both as a director, obviously, um, and you've also worked as a voice actor, when you're just doing acting and you're not the ADR director, who is your favorite ADR director to work with? Is it um, the person you were talking about earlier, or is there somebody else that you have that's, that's your favorite person to work with, and why? That's actually a really good question, and I don't have an answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a different favorite director for each project. I, I fall in love with projects pretty easily, uh, and so it kind of depends, but I know that if it's a comedy, if it's a really solid comedy, I want to be directed by Zach Bolton. I know that if it's uh, an action or a slightly disturbed show, I want to be directed by Chris Sabat. Uh, <laughs> I know that if it's a girly show, I want to be directed by Laura Bailey. It's just it kind of fluctuates. I don't even mind directing myself when I when I really love the project. If I'm if I am unsure of what I want this character to be, then I get really frustrated with myself, and the engineer starts slamming his head against the table and <laughs> tells me to stop doing the line fifty times. But uh, I it completely differs. But Zach. Zach Bolton is is an up and comer. I, yeah. I would keep your eyes on him uh, if you haven't noticed him yet. He's doing Shin Chan right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's doing some One Piece. He, he's he's excellent. He's hilarious. All right. So after Kitty Grade, like you said, you found yourself with a pretty sweet <laughs> gig with. Uh, Somebody's uh, being murdered in the hallway. I, I, I know. Maybe we should go watch. Uh, not yet. <laughs> But um, obviously, one of the things that's uh, well regarded as one of the best anime dubs and best series in recent years, Full Metal Alchemist. Hooray! Oh, well, you know, no, no screaming this time. That's, 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 that's oh, I jinxed it. I didn't mean to jinx it, but I did. <laughs> but you mentioned uh, the importance of the sounding natural as a as a director's job is to ensure the dialogue sounds that way. Um, for Full Metal Alchemist, which is such a highly regarded series, did you feel, oh, we've got a box full of microphones, so we don't need to keep hey. passing things back and forth. What we don't have is a box full of cables. Uh, um, but yeah, tell us a little bit. We're going to stall for talk. Oh, war is broken out. You're going to have to hand over my thing hands. I keep these in the trunk of my car at all times, in case war breaks out. And as you can see, Colleen is now ready for war. The challenge now is how are you going to answer this question? No, the challenge is how you're going to ask it. Uh-oh. Well, as everyone knows, Full Metal Alchemist is the greatest series of all time with the best and, and a director who is top rate. How are you so awesome? All right. Okay, let's see this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well. It's not working. All right. Is that good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no! You heard the, the, the thing crashing. Ah, no, 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 no. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> 
how did I, how the was thought directing? Uh, yeah, just um. <laughs> directing. I think we. Full metal Miss Yang. I like. I like. Full metal. I don't know if this, the mic is dead. Oh wait, here we go. Oh, yeah. oh, hey. We're in business. We're in business now. All right. All right. So, question once again was uh, when you moved on to Full Metal Alchemist. Really, uh, really high-profile show. Do you have any idea that this was going to be such a widely scrutinized thing, or did they just say this is like the next thing? Uh, that actually, when I first heard about it, Justin came to me and said, uh, "So there's this new show coming up, and you're the one who's going to be free, and I really think you'll like the project. So why don't you take a look at it?" And I was like, "Okay, new project, sure. What? Why not? I'm, I'm new director. I can't really argue." I watched as much of it as I could stand in one night, and I came back to him and I said, "This is my project." <laughs> And I demanded that I be allowed to stay on it. And uh, I had no idea that it was going to be that huge. I just knew that I liked it a lot. And Mike McFarland felt the same way. He came on the project really shortly after I started. And uh, we just, we, we agreed on everything. We knew that we wanted to make it an all-star cast. We wanted to take people from California, from New York, from... Canada, and we just wanted to make it the perfect dub, because we loved, we felt so strongly about the show, and uh, I think getting swept up as we did in how much we loved the project, we probably were uh, graced with the ability to not recognize the high-profileness of the show, so we maybe didn't feel the pressure, um, but after I started going to cons once Full Metal came out, I realized that we had kind of um, gotten to a whole new level of, like, Kitty Great hadn't quite got there <laughs> before. But I, I just... Once you witness the horrors of the Vic Mignogna fangirl army... Oh, oh my goodness! Oh, God. And that's not even anything to the Travis fangirl army. Woo! And you yeah. and they can't walk. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, Travis had been in one show... I, listen, you people, I'm offended. <laughs> one show. And every time we go to a con, he gets attacked by all the girls. It's hilarious. We can't get on an elevator without all of the girls in the room getting into the elevator with us. Uh, so, yeah. Although, it, sometimes we have to ditch him so that he can hang out with the fans and we can go away. <laughs> get some peace and quiet. Yeah. Well, that br brings me to another question, talking about you watching all of Fulman Alchemist that you could in one night. When you work on a project, either as an actor or a director, how often do you watch the show beforehand? Do you always watch it first? I always watch it first. Uh, sometimes I don't get the opportunity to watch all of it before I audition, which can be difficult because you never know when something, someone's going to turn out to be a boy at the end. <laughs> uh, but I, I try to watch, as soon as I have the opportunity to watch all of it, I watch all of it. And usually I just do it in one weekend because I like to get the fluid motion of it. I like to make sure that I'm um, up to date as quickly as possible. Uh, like Laura Bailey and I, when we were directing Kodacha when it first started, we didn't even know she was going to be directing yet. I was directing, she was Sana, and uh, we just knew that we needed to watch some, some Kodacha. So we sat in our living room, we were living together at the time, we sat in our living room with my TV and we put the disc in her uh, PlayStation 2, and it, we watched 102 episodes in one four-day weekend. Oh, God. We just watched them straight. We were crazy about the show. And there was this, the discs had, like, been badly mistreated, and there was this melty spot on some of them. 
like in the middle, not it wasn't disturbing the information at all, but it was making the disc not turn properly. Like it skipped, it caught, and so we were pathetic. You should have seen us. We were sitting there in our living room, and like one of us would be holding the disc, and one of us would be holding like a little nail buffer, like trying to file down that spot, <laughs> just to get the disc smooth enough so that it would keep going in the in the PlayStation Two. Because it kept stopping before they kissed. Aww. I know. Stopped 92 episodes. <laughs> no, but um, going back to what she, Clarissa just asked, um, as far as acting is concerned, when you pre-watch a series in the original Japanese, does that in any way influence the English performance in any way? Do you model the performance after the original right. Japanese, or do you try and go for your own thing? Uh, as an actor, you almost never get the opportunity to watch... I can't say opportunity today. Today. Uh, you almost never get the chance to watch an entire series before you start it. Uh, really, you might not even get a chance to watch an episode before you record it. Uh, if you're a major part, then the director will sometimes give you the subs to watch. But uh, you have to rely on your director almost solely to make sure that your performance is going to be where it needs to be. Uh, so, as an actor, your job is to make the director happy. It's to make the director, uh, to give the director his or her vision. So, I never ever model my voice after the Japanese unless that's what the director is gearing me toward. As a director, I will say that sometimes you model the English actor after the Japanese actor because the project is so freaking perfect that you don't want to change anything. Full Metal Alchemist, a lot of the voices are in the same range. Uh, and then there are other projects where maybe something could have been better, it could have been more solid in the Japanese uh, version, because they do things wrong occasionally. I know, I know it seems unbelievable, <laughs> but sometimes they do. And uh, so sometimes you get a chance to maybe try something different. And uh, it just depends on the project and how you, you feel like it works in with the show. All right, well, um, I guess now would be a good time to go to some of these questions that have been collaborated and compiled. And stuff. So they must My be very important. Jello pudding is pistachio. I'll go with the question that was asked uh, multiple times. Uh, you have no idea how many times it was asked. Um, Raise your hand if it was you. Uh, could, could we hear the preview of the Luffy voice from One Piece? Oh, they don't want to admit to it. You're a liar. I'd like to hear it. All right, let's see. See if I can think of a line to give you. Meat. Yeah, something about meat, probably. Oh my gosh, the one in the video game. There's one in the video game. Chris, Chris directed the video game. Am I allowed to talk about that? Yeah, you are now. No one will. It's it's probably the internet already. Uh, I think I'm okay. Uh, Okay, let's see. Check out my new outfit. These pockets are huge. I'm going to go see how much meat I can fit in them. <laughs> he varies anywhere from really, really gruff to like just kind of normal up here. Not super gruff. And uh, another very important question. I um, hope I get this name right. Um, were you able to work with Troy Baker, <laughs> the voice actor for Abel Knight Road in Trinity Blood? I was. <laughs> uh, yeah, Troy's a friend of mine. He, um, we actually 
work together on several projects because I tend to cast him because he's, you know, freaking good. <laughs> um, I thought Avery was awesome. Yes! I didn't, evidently, they asked the question. I, uh, I didn't get to work with him too closely on Trinity Blood because I wasn't directing it and we bring in actors individually. So, um, in that instance, no. But I worked with him. He was Count Kinkle in uh, Moon Phase and he was in he was Nagi in Negama. I like him. He comes back in all of my projects sometimes thrice. <laughs> Watch for the Mitsubasa. Quick vlog. <laughs> Perhaps. But yeah, you've, uh, in addition to, to Full Metal, even though I'm sure you could spend the whole panel talking about Full Metal if need be, but you've done plenty of other things. And um, what, well, the one I really want to know about, uh, you worked on a show called Speed Grapher. <laughs> yes. And uh, Dirty. I, I, I really, <laughs> you got anything to say <laughs> like regarding the, the experience for Speed Grapher? Yes, this is the sign language for Dirty. <laughs> um, I, when it was first coming up, I had half a mind to fight Chris Bevins for that show. Like, I kind of wanted to direct it, but it's Chris Bevins, and I'm Colin Lincoln Beard, and it's way too dirty to go to me over him. So, uh, it went to him, and uh, it was <laughs> it was fun seeing him try to decide where to put people. Because like he kept coming up to me, to me and being like, I can't decide if you should be the naked diamond chick or <laughs> the chick who goes down on the other girl. I can't decide. <laughs> Did you have a preference for that? Or? Uh, well, I, don't, I didn't really get to say. I was oh, like, okay. both sound like work. <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> I checked the rating. We're still PG. Oh, 13. No, we <laughs> 13. <laughs> Baby. But, uh, yeah, Simon Lady was cool. Mm. But, yeah, and uh, also, since, um... Yeah. Um, there's another show that actually just came out, um, about a week or so ago, at least here. Um, not sure how many people have known about this one, but there's a show called Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad. Yeah. This right. side of the room has heard of it. Yeah. Other side, not so much. Tell us about Beck. Uh, um, everybody's going to love Beck. Uh, again, that was Chris Bevins and Talison Jaffe. And uh, I think that's a lot of people's favorite show to have worked on. I know Greena Palencia, who does the lead female in that, and that's her, her favorite role to have worked on. I was just lucky to get in the show that was all about singing and not have to sing. Because <laughs> I'm not a singer. And pretty much every show anybody ever puts me in, they make me sing. I'm the only voice actress at Funimation who doesn't sing, and yet I do in every show. <laughs> so uh, I was lucky to just get in there. But it was, I, I do a voice that I don't think I've ever done before. And since most of the voices I do are kind of ingenue and stay in either this range or this range, a little bit higher up, that's nice to have a voice that's different. And um, so I was excited. Okay, well, I want to I go back to another show that was mentioned since it seemed to get a favorable reaction to my surprise. But Trinity Blood. <laughs> On Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, right now, you are uh, Esther. I am. Indeed. So, um, obviously, you've uh, heard the, the anecdotes about Abel, but... Uh, as far as Trinity Blood goes, what's uh, what's going on with those Zeppelins up with the vampires? And... Uh, all I know is Esther screams a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. 
Yeah. And she's a really high voice. Sometimes it was hard for uh, hard for me. Like if I had just been doing some boy voice, I've been doing like Beat the Vandal Buster over at Lumetune, and I'd come over to Funimation, they'd be like, "Okay, it's time for your high pretty voice." Hi. <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, I, Mike McFarland is freaking uh, awesome. He's just awesome. As far as uh, the high pretty voices go, there's uh, another show that uh, you worked on that I bet a lot of people know about. Uh, if, in case you've heard of Clamp, there's a there's a show called Holic. It says XXX Holic, but yes. it's, the X's are silent. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be Holic. How does that work? The the XXX. It, I don't know, but I first a long time I called it Triple X Holic. That's what yeah. I thought it was, but it's it's Holic. It turns out the Japanese like reprimanded us. So, it's all uh, but uh, hi, pretty voice. I play Yuko in this. I know, that's very a, low. Not- that's why I want. <laughs> Nobody laughs. <though. laughs> They're laughing now. <laughs> yeah. I get to be drunk on sake a lot. Yeah. <laughs> how how is that any different from normal other- every day today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not Travis. Oh. <laughs> wow. He's getting so fed up with the whole image he has as an alcoholic, by the way. Every time you guys see him from now on, be like, wow, I hear that you were thinking about going into a program. I really think it's a good idea. And also blame him for the bubbles in the fountain, which, by the way, he didn't do. But um, I guess Holic is not the, the only clamp-related uh, show you've done. Um, nope. There's, a, there's another one, Subasa. Subasa Reservoir Chronicle, yeah, that's the one that's out, actually. Um, I directed that, and uh, we finished the first season a little while ago, and we'll be starting on the second season shortly, which I don't know if I'll be directing, but I will be supervising. And um, I just think it's one of the most beautifully animated shows ever. It's gorgeous, and the music is just, it stirs your soul every time you watch it. Uh, the story is beautiful too, and my cast in that is so awesome. That is why I'm a good director. Not because I'm a good director, but because I can cast the show. My cast is so awesome. Chris Sabat is phenomenal as Kurogane. Uh Monica Rial is my favorite, obviously. That's why she's my lead a lot. Um, and Jason Liebricht, who came out of nowhere and did uh, the lead in Moon Phase, was the lead in Tsubasa, and he's you can't get a bad read out of that guy. Everything he says sounds completely natural. So natural, in fact, that sometimes it's hard to cast around him because other people sound fake when put up against a person that sounds so real. But uh, I love it. Carrie Savage is Mokina. Vic Mignana is Fi. I, I just had such Those an easy time. It's, a, it's an all-star cast. Uh, out of curiosity, have you ever read the, uh, the manga for that? No, I started to at one point, and then I, I heard that it was somewhat different than the anime. Uh, that's putting it lightly. Yeah, and I didn't want... That's the same, same way I felt about the Full Metal Alchemist manga. I didn't want to start something that might alter the way I look at the show, because I want to be true to the show, and if right. I put in little suggestions of what happens in the manga, then I'm not doing that. I'm you know, taking liberties. As far as uh, taking liberties go, one of the questions that often gets asked, especially for comedy shows, how much uh, liberty do you generally take as far as script-wise improvisation goes as far as like directing dubs? And I'm sure that this is the same answer I've given for like four questions now, but it depends on the show. 
with Full Metal Alchemist, you could almost look at a translation and look at the dub script, and it would be identical. Uh, it, I mean, obviously not word for word, because it wouldn't fit in flaps, but it, the meaning is there in every line, because it is such a solid script. And the script, more importantly, is not solely Japan-related. Uh, it kind of translates into all different cultures. Uh, the themes are not Japanese. The themes are very all-encompassing. It's almost geared toward a Western outlook. So, uh, which I think is one of the reasons it did so well over here, and nobody notices. But uh, so that stays very similar. That script does. But something like Kodacha, which is also an excellent script in the Japanese and is incredibly funny, wouldn't translate over here if we kept it the same. Uh, we have to take a lot of liberties with comedy to make sure that it is comedic. Otherwise, we'd be doing a disservice to the Japanese production company. All right. Well, um, as far as things that are accessible to Americans, as far as being in a Western setting versus things that are in a Japanese setting, I want to talk about a show that kind of didn't really catch on quite as much as I hoped, but uh, you worked on a show, Case Closed. Yes. <laughs> what? What? Anime. Uh, Case Closed was one of my very first shows. I I did uh, I started Kitty Grade before Case Closed, but there are so many episodes of Case Closed that I did more of that. And uh, Rachel just uh, she's in my voice. She's easy easy to do. Uh, she says a lot of the same lines frequently, so you get you get kind of used to her. She was like an old staple. It's like having a con control group in science, you know. Like I could go back to that voice and get back into into flap matching because this was when I was early early on, and I get used to matching flaps in my voice the way that it would be easiest for me, and then take that and translate it to the way I would match in a different voice with maybe slower intonations that kind of. So uh, it was it was nice to have that when I first started out, so I didn't get stuck in a rut. As far as um, you know, case closed goes. Was there any like lingering thought in the back of your head that maybe we should slowly, gradually over time alter the inspector's voice to account for all these concussions he keeps getting and being knocked unconscious <laughs> every week? Not that I know of. Oh. Aww. All right, you, you got to try. You got you to gotta, you gotta throw these in every once in a while. Keep people on their toes, but um. Those are more like lighthearted kind of shows. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist was a fantasy show. Um, you've done some sci-fi. Pretty dark though. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, well, I mean, like I, I was gonna say sci-fi now, as far right. as uh, the approach for that. Like, um, was there Aquarium? Was that one? Here? <laughs> Aquarium is the one that I'm doing right now. Although oh, okay. I'm not really directing it. I directed the first four episodes in conjunction with Brandon Potter, and he's an upcoming voice actor. And uh, he'll be directing the rest of it. And it's sort of a lewd mech show. Like, well, why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Explain why that is. Well, the premise is that there are these shadow angels, which are the big bad guys who were here on Earth before humans, and then humans came and started destroying the Earth, and they didn't like it. And so they had this big battle, and the humans won, but now the shadow angels are back. And uh, the only way that they can be conquered is through the Mechanical Angel Aquarium, which is these three vector ships. This plus sounds sort of familiar. Three vector ships that uh, a human element is in each one of them, and they merge together to form one big robot, and that is what can fight off the Shadow Angels. 
And I, I, I love the show. There's such a fond spot in my heart for the show. And when they merge, they merge, and they kind of have like little mini orgasms. <laughs> or as Brandon Potter's father put it, those children are having organisms. <laughs> and Brandon said, yeah, Dad. And then he kind of explained the show, and his dad shook his head and said, saving the world's a messy business. <laughs> I think that should be the tagline for the show. I, I've heard that before, and I really want to make the t-shirt. But that's not so dark. That's kind of a lighthearted mech show. Uh. Speed Graffer's pretty dark. Uh, Hollick is going to have some dark moments. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else is pretty dark. Oh, Orgy. Glass Fleet, which I may or not be in. Is there anything that we can do to influence that decision? Uh, not tell anybody I mentioned it. All right. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> oh, well, it's all right. No one's going to know. Except for us. Uh-oh. Up, up. It's wartime. Oh. <laughs> the thing hands. Well, they serve a purpose. What can I say? Um, actually, no. I just thought of another show that was a little more serious. Oh, you go. Oh, um, I know that we mentioned briefly Crayon Shin-Chan earlier. Um, Yay! Can you talk a little bit about you know, that I show? I can talk about that one. Good. Uh, Shin-Chan is the current Funimation baby. Like, if ever there is a group of people in the hall who appear to be listening to something that's coming out of a computer in some room, probably they're all gathered around to listen to some Shin-Chan. Uh, it's... It's sort of like the Japanese Simpsons, only maybe a little bit more juvenile. And uh, when it came over here, the Japanese and uh, um, Funimation kind of got together and were like, okay, what we want to do with the show is scrap the script completely and have you just redub it in some, just make it funny, just do funny things. So who better to give it to than Zach Bolton, who's uh, hilarious. And Laura Bailey's playing Shin, the main little boy, who's dirty and disgusting. And uh, I play I play a little gay boy, and also the baby, like the infant. Oh, Hema. Hema, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was totally fun. And uh, it's just it's it's lewd and it's crude and it's wonderful. Yeah. And you should really watch it because <laughs> you will know that behind every funny line there are at least five people at the Funimation building who went <laughs> let's put that in <laughs> there are actually it, it scripts, seems like it yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there might be some inside jokes in there too there are actually scripts we were handing out some red line scripts of Shin Chan at one point to show people how we were going through the process and there's like five alts for every line because the writers thought of five things that were funny. And two of the alts out to the side say, booth copy only. And the reason for that is because it's just a joke for the director. Like we knew we could never actually put that in the show because oh. it's too off color. But they wanted to put it in because they thought of it and they were like, <laughs> it'd be awesome if we could do that. Exactly. Can we get those as outtakes? <laughs> uh, on occasion, there's some of them that slip into outtakes, but mostly they're oh. dirty. <laughs> I like the dirty gestures. On that note, we'll talk about more dirty things. Um, this is upcoming show, Witchblade. There's a lot of dirty stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what's going on in, in Witchblade? Witchblade? Uh, I'm not as involved in Witchblade. I'm Reyna, uh, who's one of the clone blades, and I, I come in kind of a little bit later, more heavily. So right now, I've just been popping my head in and talking to the soldier. What is that again? 
Hi, I hate you. I want that witch blade. <laughs> that's that's basically how the comic is too, except different. There's there's a lot. See of that totally non-non-committal yeah, answer that I just gave. Yeah, there are blades in inappropriate places. The only thing worse than blades in inappropriate places is teeth. teeth. In inappropriate places. See? Wow. Yeah. You don't want to know. I don't think I do. Uh, you might, though. <laughs> Later tonight at 10 o'clock. If anyone's curious, you can watch you can, Wicked City. You can find out. You can watch, oh, you've shown that again. I've never shown Wicked City in my life at that panel. <laughs> I don't know. There's, is there a hentai panel? No, 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 no. This is unrelated to that. There uh, certainly will be. This is the terrible, terrible bad, bad anime is going to be running this room later tonight at 10 o'clock. Like, oh man! Back, back on topic. That's the part where they're burning with the acid. Oh goodness, we've devolved. I know. Back on topic. Yes. So. Oh man. As far as choosing your favorite children go, which is something that people, you know, force you to do. I like to walk down the street and go that one. Yeah. As far as projects. You know, much like people say, oh, what's your favorite thing to work on? It's like, oh, that's like asking to choose your favorite child. We're asking, what's your favorite nah, I'm child? Okay. With it. okay. Uh, <laughs> I love, 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 love Full Metal Alchemist. I go to that thing. It's just perfect in every way. So uh, that's a big favorite with me. Koda Cho was a big favorite for a long time. Um, the only reason it lost favor at all was because I stopped being as involved because I stopped directing it, so I wasn't aware of everything that was going on. But boy, did I love that show. Uh, Shin-Chan is probably my favorite to watch overall, and uh, Salty Ray was my favorite to act in. Salty Ray, Rose Anderson was the most fun character to play ever, until Luffy, and now Luffy is my favorite. Everyone obviously like um, Salty Ray isn't quite as as known as One Piece. Tell us a little watch bit. It. It's tell us a little bit about uh, your character in that. Uh, she's blonde and she has flippy hair, so that's setting up the mood. Uh, she's a thief, and I can't say too much because I can't say because it'll much. be given away. Right, mm. but watch it, and she's so much fun. And the reason that Sabbath wanted to give me the part, and the reason that I was so excited about the part, is because she does like every emotion that you could ever have. She has within the series, so she gets to be like all sultry and sexy, and then she gets to be all bratty and annoying, and then she gets to be all depressed. And horrified and she gets to fight and I just loved that. I did, it's what Claire would have been had I been more familiar with the process back then. So early on that I I don't think I did as much with the Claire as I could have, but I got my second chance with Rose. Now you mentioned earlier back when you said the reason you were such a, a good director was because you're I really good not. you're really good casting people. As far as um ultimately determining the quality of uh, English uh, dub for anime, would you say it's, it's more important to have a good director or, or actors? What do you think it, it falls upon? A uh, good director. Um, I, I think that a good director will get you good actors. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And a good director can sometimes create good actors. That's not a talent that I have. I respect that talent in a lot of directors. Directors who can take somebody who maybe has the potential and then work with them to create, to, to build it up, work with them until they're able to do something. I get frustrated really easily. So uh, that's why I cast a lot of the same people. I, I rely on my, on my core actors who I know can handle things. And uh, I, think, I think that's, that's something that comes from true directing skills, which is really it's interesting that you note that um, 
you know, you think the directing is the most important. Sonny Strait said the same thing. Chris Sabat said the same thing. And you know, as far as making a good anime dub, and yet a lot of times most people at anime conventions who are interested in the English dubbing side of things, maybe they want to, to get into it themselves, they're primarily interested in the acting uh, contingent of it. Why do you suppose... It's that way in every, bis- or in every angle of the industry, though, isn't it? Like with Hollywood, when you look at a movie, you think, oh man, he's a good actor, he's a good actor. And you don't think, maybe the director had something to do with that? <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think a good show of any sort will convince you that what is on the screen is what is actually taking place and so that you ignore the background stuff. You don't see the behind the screens. You don't see the man behind the curtain, because you're not supposed to, really. Uh, And that can have more than one side effect, some good, some bad. Sometimes that means that you're so immersed in the show, you're not not thinking about whether it's well-directed or well-written. You're just, you just believe what's going on. So I think it lets you, it enables you to, to get soaked into it a little bit more. But at the same time, it enables you to blame things on actors a little bit more. And uh, you'll see that a lot. Like, there are a lot of times when, uh, again, with Hollywood, when a really, truly good actor will have a really bad showing in a movie. And you'll look at them and think, oh, man, they really went wrong that time. And chances are it wasn't them. So if you have a beef with a show, I would, I would take a look and really examine whether or not it's, Writing or directing, or yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of Full Metal Alchemist fans are in the in the audience, and I think uh, we probably haven't talked about that quite enough just yet. But uh, as for Riza, who uh, you know, that's your your part in that. How, how did that um, you know come about? She wasn't really in the earlier episodes all that much, and right. then she became much more important later on, especially in the movie. And I actually didn't cast myself as Riza or Rose uh, when Mike and I started. It was partially cast by Justin Cook, and it had already been partially cast, and then a lot more of it had been cast by Chris Sabat because he did the video game before we started the series. So uh, we we got a partial cast by the time we started directing. But um, I I got Riza, I think, when I auditioned for Lust, which is actually a little weird. But um, I think Justin kind of knew where he wanted us to go. It was he was looking for people he was familiar with working with, again, trying to make it a, a good cast that we knew it would go right with. And uh, with Riza, I just kind of struck it lucky, I guess. And Rose, I had I'd been cast uh, as that part because it was kind of a rush order job. We needed to get something done, and with the actress that we had intended for it was out of town, so I ended up playing so for Riza to, to get into it, to get in the swing of things, you just like start going around like shooting. At <laughs> shooting at my my dog hopes not. Oh okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think that was that difficult to tap into. I had to be mad at Travis a lot. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> I think we need some more funny stories about Travis because he's not here to defend himself. Uh, even when he is here, he doesn't do a good job defending himself. Oh snap! <laughs> No, he's a great guy. I mean, we all pick on Travis because he lets us. I mean, he's that big. He could beat us up if we wanted to. <laughs> he's, uh, he's an amazing guy. He's great. All right. Um, since uh, people had requested the, the One Piece voice, obviously you're now the new uh, voice of the main character in One Piece, or one of whom is considered the main characters. I don't know. 
there's a lot of main characters in One Piece at this point. Yeah. But um, how did how did all that come about? Like as far as the process for that, uh, Sonny told us about his. Uh, you know, the manner in which he got picked for that. Was it a little different? From no, it's probably exactly the same. Uh, we were relying heavily on the Japanese for the casting, uh, and by we, I mean Mike McFarland. He did, he and uh, Chris Bevins did all the auditions, and then they chose their top five for every character, and they sent them all off to the Japanese production company. And the Japanese production company actually needed the manga-cast approval, uh, as I understand it. So they were at, they were actually waiting to get approval from somebody else so that they could give approval to us. So it took a really long time to get approval. And when it first came back, uh, almost everybody got denied. In fact, everybody got denied. Uh, it was it was like, okay, we want to try it again. We want to try it with uh, these different reads and see see if you can get there. And so they ended up with their their number one choices, I think, on most things. But it was. It was a harrowing experience. It was like a month long of casting and of all of us going, am I going to be financially soluble or not? The million dollar question everyone wants to know about the One Piece dub, maybe you don't know it, maybe you can neither confirm nor deny, but um, as everyone knows, the new One Piece dub is starting up from a later episode. Are there any plans to go back and redub the early episodes yep, that Forkins so. did? Uh, we, don't, we don't know for sure. Uh, it would just be a matter of how successful it is. Um, I was actually up on stage interviewing someone, but what, what's going on? Uh, I'll ask you later. Right. It's just, you leave the username blank and you... Uh, but Mike was there, and Mike has watched as much as he can get his hands on. Uh, we've, we've got researchers, we've kind of tried to... Yeah. Figure everything out before we got there, and uh, left the what we didn't figure out, we've gone back and corrected. Right. Um, another question: Has there ever been a part that you really wanted but didn't get, and what, like what would be your top? Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, I really wanted Shin and Shinka, <laughs> but now that Laura's done it, I could see nobody else in that part. It's perfect. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Lucy, I got Lucy. Was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the awkward space goes silence. I'm trying to think. No, I got nothing. Oh, well. Um, I actually just a uh, total gear shift. Totally different uh, topic, but um, there was another kind of recent show. It was pretty neat. Um, you did some some work on this. Um, I don't know if people have really seen it or not, since I, I may have been on TV on some obscure channel. But uh, Samurai Seven, you know this yeah. one? Yeah. So, um, we got any fans of of Seven Samurai, the movie here? Yeah. Did you did you watch Seven Samurai oh, before yeah. you work on? Okay, T talk to us about uh, about the whole Samurai Seven. All right. First of all, it's a very long movie, uh, and it's excellent. And uh, the anime really follows it pretty consistently. They added in a couple of new characters. But, and robots. But Yeah, and robots. <laughs> but, I mean, but seriously, like, it follows it pretty consistently. Well, that's how Japan works. Everything is better with robots. I mean, they gave Spider-Man a robot, so... <laughs> 
But uh, I, I, Carrara was a beautiful character to get a chance to play, but she was kind of tertiary. I, I enjoyed the show just for the show's sake. I thought all of the seven were excellent. And I loved watching Sabbath. And uh, we got Michael Tatum from that show. Michael Tatum's first role was Rikishi. And now he's like my favorite voice to listen to ever. I like to make him a bad guy just so I can sit there and dream of his voice. <laughs> So yeah, um, can you just elaborate on like what you did for Samurai Seven? Like you weren't the director for that one, were you? No, I was just Carrara. And did you do like? Um, oh, and I anything? wrote. Oh, I you wrote. wrote. What does what does that entail? Like writing for anime. Right, screenwriting for anime uh, basically means that you take the translations and you uh, rewrite the words so that you can stay as close to the meaning as possible and fit it into the mouth flaps. And how far you stray from the translation depends on the head writer and what the Japanese want and what Funimation has decided they want. And uh, so you're either trying to make it as funny as possible or you're trying to stay very close because this is going straight to DVDs for hard hardcore anime fans. Uh, it just depends on, yeah, obviously, Funimation trying to stay afloat, so they need to make money. So uh, it just depends on what's going what's gonna to accomplish that. Sounds mercenary, but hey. It's hey, it's, you know, pays the bills. Oh. Did someone have their hand up just now? I saw it in the corner of my eye. Okay, no. I've been looking. You have been looking? All right. Are those the only questions that you got? Yeah, I, got a, I got a couple. Oh, okay, you do have more? Yeah, All right, let's, let's go for some more, because the people need to know. <laughs> the people need to know. <clears throat> uh, another uh, Full Metal Alchemist-related question. Uh, Ed and Rose, or Ed and Winry? Ed and Rose. Except that's a little gross. <laughs> I think Ed and together. I think Rose and um and um did anybody see the movie? Yeah. Uh also, uh had you ever heard of anime before you started acting in it? I thought and I asked that. Yeah, I think you... I totally did. Yeah, you did ask that question. That. And uh, I don't know if this was uh, also part of the question, but uh, did you have a uh, favorite anime that you d were n did not act in? Oh, favorite anime I didn't act in, Fridge Basket. I watched that one in one weekend, too. I'm a one weekend kind of girl. Everybody should. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Tom's got a question. But, um... While we get that question going, I want to know um, the other thing. Sonny, when we were talking to him, he spent a lot of time. He worked on uh, a lot of Lupin the Third movies, and um, you know, obviously, there's not a whole lot of recurring characters from Lupin the Third other than the main cast. You had different parts in all, like all those, didn't you? I had three. I was in three of those movies. Yeah. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, you were in three of the movies. You're saying? Yeah, I was in three of the movies. Uh, I really liked Oleander. In it was it dead or alive? Was that um, or Columbus Files? Which one was it? Oleander, oh, yeah, it's the Spanish little blonde. Yeah, that was dead or alive. Dead or alive? Yeah. yeah, I loved her. She was so much fun. She was probably the most fun I had had up to that point when I when I recorded that with Sunny. Sunny and I had a blast. So that's actually how we became friends. And yeah, now we're like some of the best. Yeah, it's, it's, part of what Sonny was saying um, with regards to doing those uh, Lupin things was that there was a lot of improvisation going on for that. Um, 
do you have a great deal of improvisational background? You mentioned doing theater stuff. Or I don't. I don't have any improvisational background other than uh, mouthing off. Uh, I, I like Me too. to do it. <laughs> you don't say. I like to do it. Uh, <laughs> and any show that requires it is a lot of fun, obviously. Uh, I don't remember doing a ton of that with Lupin, but then that might be because I was uh, in a Spanish accent and it was very difficult. I do remember uh, at one point... <laughs> Accidentally <laughs> reading this line, there's no escape, and Sonny just burst into laughter and said, "Okay, we're gonna have to change that." <coughs> Sounds like uh, yeah, Easy. yeah, yeah. But I, I like the, the silly accents in anime. But um, as far as like we talked about Beck a little earlier, that's a much more recent show. A lot more um, appeals to a lot of you know, more casual fans, because it's not really uh, too Japanese. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. And um, there, there's another show It's a little more more Japanese, but uh, Peach Girl. I don't know if people know about uh, this one. Uh, one. One guy knows about Peach yeah. The guy. Oh, oh, one, one other one. But yeah, um, how is... What do you, what's, what's your take on that one? Uh, I don't know too much about the show. I'm uh, fairly small in that show. Um, yeah, and... But it looks a lot like... As far as, you know, compared to the, the visuals and all it's that. highly it's, different. Yeah. Uh, the animation in that is very different. Uh, I can't, I, I wasn't too involved with that project. So, so you haven't I really seen much of it? Is that, is that she's really tan? Yeah. yeah. so everybody thinks she's a slut? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Because in Japan, so that that's... very Japanese. Yeah. That, and that, like, that would be one of those things that would be very, uh... We would have to go straight to DVD with that. It would have to be for hardcore anime fans because Americans wouldn't relate to that. Yeah, like if I were to go to Japan. We'd be <laughs> uh, hey. All right. So uh, we got some additional questions from the audience. Let's uh, see what we got here. Uh, could you talk about the another one of the shows that you're working on, Rumbling Hearts, as well as possibly the uh, very interesting tagline for that show? Tagline. Yeah, the tagline was something like "Love's a bitch." I didn't know that was the tagline. <laughs> I have nothing to do with the marketing, so sometimes I don't even see that. But uh, I will say that Rumbling Hearts was a baby of mine. Uh, there were not as many episodes as there usually are. And uh, it was a really quick project. We just did it. It, it. it got kind of run through the booths really quickly. There was Zach and uh, Tyler were both working on it simultaneously. And uh, I, I play Mitski in that. And she was a ton of fun. It was kind of seeing her grow up. Like, you see her from a teenager, where you got a little bit of that teenage angst, heartbreak, and then she grows into an adult and still has that angst and that heartbreak, but it's turned into a sort of a bitterness and a realization of dreams not maybe coming true and settling. And it it, it was supposed to be fluff, and it turned out to not be. It was awesome. And I think... Everybody at Funimation really likes that one. Like sometimes you get shows that people take home and watch, and that was one of them. Everybody at Funimation saw it. All right, one more question from the audience. We actually uh, are running out of time. I get the feeling that this computer is just going to suddenly come to life and start playing something. But uh, one question from the audience. Awesome. It would be awesome. <laughs> but, um, that would make a great ending. You know what else would be awesome is a question from the audience. They wanted to know, you auditioned for Lust in Fullmetal Alchemist. They're, out of curiosity, what would your take on that character sound like? <laughs> Probably sound a lot like my Reyna in Witchblade. Uh, I don't know. Somebody give me a line to say. 
transforming humans is nothing more. <laughs> I was going to say something ridiculous. I want to be... Wow, that's not going to be good to I want to be human, nothing more. There you have it, folks. There, there it is. All right, so um, I guess closing thoughts, uh, generally speaking, do you have any general advice for all the, the people out there who come to the cons, they, they all want to know how to do this stuff. What would you say is like the, the main thing to keep in mind if they want to, to become an actor themselves? The Learn to wait main, tables really well? Or? The, main, <laughs> the main thing to keep in mind if you want to be a voice actor for anime is that we don't hire voice actors for anime <laughs> initially. We hire actors. So if you want to be a voice actor, become an actor. Get acting work wherever you can. Be in theater become an extra in a film, which is totally easy to do, and it pays like 50 bucks a day, 50 to 75 bucks a day, go do that. You could do that for a living. So, um, just act. Get in an acting class. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> and on that note... Are you the actor's studio? Uh, uh, oh, it's, it's very James Lipton-like None here. of us are James Lipton. I'm though. not. If, uh, no. If I talked any slower, <laughs> I wouldn't be you. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's the, the cue. Nice to see you guys. That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, you know when your signings are? Or did you already do? Uh, I don't know. That's not uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta clear out for this uh, Psychono movie. Okay, your mic's disconnected. Alright. Oh, it was already, oh, it was okay. earlier. I have an autograph signing tomorrow. Uh, I, my mic has been pulled out. They think it went in the thing. It, the, the mic is, cable is trapped in its, oh, there we go. Alright, what, what is it? Oh, okay. I, I could take the picture if you wanted, but that's fine.